Okay, ladies, last week we left Jonah in the great fish's belly. He had tried to run away from God, but um, it didn't work, did it? It never does, and it never will. Well, this week we see Jonah cry out to God, and then we see God responding. So turn to Jonah chapter 2. And basically, I'm just going to kind of go through some things under two main sections. Jonah prays, and God responds. Jonah prays, God responds. So as we look first at Jonah prays, we go back to chapter 1, verse 17, um, which reads, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then as we move into chapter 2, and remember, when this was first written, we did not have chapter and verse. This man added later to make it easier to read and study. But in Jonah 2, verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Now, we don't know for sure when Jonah began to pray, but this states it was while he was in the belly of the whale. And we can't be sure how long he was in the water either before the fish came and swallowed him. But it did say that once he was in the water, that the water was calm and the storm had ceased, or I know uh, Verse 15, chapter 1 in the NIV reads, it grew calm. So how long it took, you know, a few minutes instantly, you know, whatever, to calm the water. As soon as Jonah was thrown overboard, the um, storm ceased. Uh, A few things that we're going to glean just from verse 1 of chapter 2. Jonah did pray. That's number one. He prayed. We need to pray. In Ephesians 6.18, we're told to be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That takes in every form of prayer, thanksgiving, praise, worship, confession, adoration, petition, where you're asking, requesting of God, supplication. Again, you're asking God, in essence, to supply what you need, and then intercession as you pray for others. So Ephesians 6.18 tells you to pray uh, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And I also believe that includes uh, the Romans 8.26, which I mentioned in a a little bit, where the Spirit makes intercession for us. We can't even form words. I believe it includes the gift of tongues, which is where the Spirit authors your prayers and you're praying in an unknown language, foreign language to you. And I believe it takes in praying just where you're so close to the Lord, you're walking in the Spirit, he can influence your praying. Um, And so that's Ephesians 6.18. We're also told Philippians 4.6, be anxious for nothing, right? Not worry about anything, not be full of care, but make your requests known with thanksgiving. God wants you to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? Well, prayer is just talking to God. It's just staying aware of his presence with you, staying in communication with him throughout the day. Yes, we need set-aside times of prayer. Last Saturday was our women's monthly prayer, and several of us gathered, and we prayed for an hour over different things. Individually, we need set-aside time to pray, but it's also just talking to God, making mention prayers, uh, arrow prayers, Um, just throughout the day. Um, It's praying at all times, in all circumstances, in all ways, and in every place we are. Jonah was in rebellion. He was running away from what God wanted him to do. But eventually, 
he did pray. We don't read of him praying while he was in Joppa. He wasn't praying, which ship should I take, Lord? Where should I go to run away from you? We don't read of him praying during the storm. Lord, calm the waters, save the men. Okay, you win. Take me to Nineveh. We don't read of him praying any of those things. But eventually he did pray. We need to pray, and I would encourage you, don't wait. Don't wait. Run to the throne before you run to the phone. It's good to have prayer partners. You do want to call people to pray, but go to God first. Seek him on your own first. Just turn your thoughts to him. Brother Lawrence, a monk from many, many years ago, there was a book put out, Practicing His Presence, and it's just talking to the Lord. When you're doing dishes, changing sheets, grocery shopping, fixing a meal, whatever you're doing, you just talk to the Lord because he is right there with you. So that's number one. We want to glean from verse one that he to pray, and that's what we need to do. And then number two, he prayed to the Lord his God. And if you look in your Bible, most of your versions, or all of them, should have the word Lord in all capitals. When you see it in all capitals, most of you know it is referring to Jehovah, the great I am, the sovereign God, the creator. When you see capital L and then lowercase o-r-d, it's referring to Adonai, the Lord is our master and we are his servants. But when you see it in all capitals, you're talking about the sovereign God. And he prayed to the Lord, the sovereign God, the great I am. And we need to know that our God is sovereign when we pray. When we go to him, we need to know that he is on the throne. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's almighty God. He's the creator of heaven and earth. And think about it. He formed you when you were in your mother's womb. And if you've had children, he's formed those children, that child in your womb. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at all times. So know that you are praying to almighty God. Number three, another thing we can glean from verse one, he prayed to the Lord, his God. Is God your God? Can you say, God is my God? He is, and he wants to be your personal God. He's not a God. He's not one of many gods with little g. He is the one and the only God, and he is and wants to be the only God in your life. Pastor Michael, if you've ever been um, at a memorial that he's done, and he's referred to Psalm 23, or just hearing him teach on Psalm 23, we know that first phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. And he makes it very clear, unless you can claim the Lord as your shepherd, everything else that follows in Psalm 23, you can't claim. You can't say, I shall have no want. You can't say he leads me beside the still waters. Unless he is your shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. And I heard a speaker do this one time, just taking those few words and putting emphasis on each word separately. Like you would say, the Lord, like he is the Lord. The Lord, he's all-knowing, almighty God, the Lord is, not was, not will be, he is, and then my, my shepherd. Can you say, he is your shepherd? Well, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Okay, number four, something else we can glean just from verse one. He prayed from the belly of the whale. Doesn't matter where you are, pray. 
Pray when you're at home. Pray when you're in your kitchen or in the bedroom or in the backyard or out in front, in, in, uh, in your living room. Pray when you're in your car, when you're in the store, in a restaurant. Pray when you're at work or you're in school. Pray when you're in a storm, which always represents a turbulent time, a difficult time. But pray when things are good, too, when things are calm for you in your life, when you know that you are in the center of God's will doing exactly what he wants you to do. Make sure you pray. So the overall lesson from verse 1 is pray. And then what can we glean from Jonah chapter 2, verses 2 through 9? Well, we read what Jonah prayed through those verses, and much of it is from several of the Psalms. The first thing that we can glean there, know God's word. So you can pray it. You can't pray it if you don't know it. So know God's word and incorporate it into your prayers. It's great to pray God's word because it ministers to us while we're praying it. There's power in God's word. It's going to build your faith. It's going to remind you of who God is and what he's done and what he's able to do. So know God's word and pray it. You had an optional um, question in the lesson. And I hope you do talk about that in group, finding the Psalms that Jonah was actually praying, or verses from the Psalms. Okay, another thing we can glean from verses 2 through 9, we can also know that God will hear our voice, even when we're in the darkest of times. And the Psalms, as you go through them, are full of declarations of God hearing our voice, hearing our cries. Romans 8, 26 Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes you can't even form it. Maybe you just can't even cry out to God, but you just turn your heart to him, and he knows and he hears, and the Spirit makes intercession. Later in Romans 8, we read where Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us as well. So the Lord hears. Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Cry out to God. Know who he is. Know he's high and lifted up. Nothing is too hard for him, and he's for you. He's not against you. Cry out to God and be assured that he will hear you. One verse I want to just try to talk about a little bit is verse 8, and the rest of those verses you'll be able to go over in your group. But some versions of verse 8 read, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy or their own loving kindness. And then another one says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. The New Living Translation says, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. So the bottom line, basically, to that verse, whichever version, um, is if you're not believing God and trusting in God, you're going to believe lies and deception. You're going to be deceived. And when you don't believe God and trust in him, then you're going to abandon or forsake his love and his mercy that would otherwise be there for you. Okay, one more thing we can glean from uh, those verses where Jonah prayed, or we read what he had prayed and what God had done. But in verse 9, it mentions the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And we know that's not where you're going and offering, uh, as in the Old uh, Testament, uh, to the tabernacle or the temple where you had to bring an animal. Um, So make sure you get to it in in your group. Uh, Leaders, be sure and, and 
get to a good discussion on what it means to offer sacrifices sorry, of thanksgiving and praise. But Isaiah 61.3, and I didn't put this in the lesson, so I want to give it to you this morning, tells us, the Lord gives us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That spirit of heaviness refers to depression, discouragement, despair. When you're just in a bad mood, God tells you he gives you a garment. That's like putting on an outfit. Put it on wear praise. Lift up your praises. Let it be the fruit of your lips. And it's going to lift that darkness. It's going to lift the oppression. So make sure you talk about that in group. Okay, so number two. Now, that was all on God, uh, what we can glean from Jonah who prayed. But now God responds. And you saw some of how he responded when Jonah was declaring what he had said. But in verse 10 of chapter 2, it says, So the Lord spoke to the fish and had vomited Jonah onto dry land. Well, as John Corson writes, the fish had an urge to regurge. He had an urge to regurge. Now, I don't know what your group discussion will be like, but Monday night in the group, uh, it was quite interesting to hear some of the discussion on what that meant, how, the, how um, accurate the whale's aim was, even, as he spit Jonah out. And, and Jonah didn't get hurt. It didn't appear when he landed on dry ground. But that's, you guys have fun with that when, when you get to that. But notice the sea obeyed God, the storm obeyed God, the great fish that was prepared by God obeyed him, first in swallowing Jonah, and then when it came time to spit him out. Well, God responded by getting Jonah back to dry land. We don't know for sure which land that was, and I'm sure Jonah didn't care because it was dry and he could breathe fresh air again. Jonah was finally willing then to return to keeping his vow to God as, a, as God's prophet. Well, what does God have to do to make you willing to do what he's asked you to do, to go where he wants you to go, to say what he wants you to say? Are you willing, though, for God to make you willing? I remember hearing that years ago. Sometimes we don't want to do. We're not real comfortable or, or we just resist, like Jonah did, going or doing or saying what God tells us to and we're not willing, but are you willing for God to make you willing? If you're willing to let God change your heart, you won't have to be swallowed by a whale. He'll change you. But either way, he's going to eventually get you where he wants you to be. Um, and it's up to you how quick you want to get there, <laughs> what you want to go through in getting there. Um, it's so much better to be in God's will willingly. Be in God's will willingly. He knows what's best, and in his faithfulness, he works things out. So that's where you'll end up being. Some resist him their whole life, and they end up paying the cost of those consequences of rejecting him. But God is long-suffering. He's loving. He's gracious and merciful, even as Jonah experienced. And I think we have to remember Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher as the heavens are higher than the earth. You go outside and you just try to reach up and touch the heaven. You can't even touch a cloud. Well, God is saying his ways are so far beyond our understanding. They're so 
far above our finite minds. He's infinite. We may not know and understand what he's doing, how he's going to do it, why he's doing it, but we do know he loves us. We do know he's faithful. We do know he knows what's best for us. And so we can trust him. We can yield. Don't resist him. Don't run from him, but run to him. When you cry out to God, he will respond. So be assured of that. And when he does, or what he does, and when he does it, and how he does it, will be perfect. Know that. It will be best for you, and it will be out of his heart of love for you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and the lessons we can learn from it, from bad examples as well as good examples. So, Lord, help us to uh, know you better and know your word better and have an understanding of how it applies to our life in a daily basis, Lord, because we want to be obedient. We want to be in sweet fellowship with you. We want you to be able to use us. So, Lord, whatever, whatever you're wanting to do, Lord, we want to surrender and just say, here I am, Lord, use me. But thank you again for today. Bless the discussion groups, Lord. May they enrich one another, Lord, with the things that they have been learning and studying. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.